0: We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Mani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Mani. 16, and I actually have a timer, so I don't want to go over. So when you guys hear the music playing, you'll know that I have five minutes left. <laughs> I'm like, man, people want to go and eat afterwards and do different things. And so 2 Kings chapter 16, it says in verse 1, In the seventeenth year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord, his God, as his father David had done. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his son pass through the fire, according to the abominations of the nations, whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burned incense in the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. And so we're going through the Old Testament, and just we're learning from the different kings. Uh, we come to this king now, Ahaz, now his father Jotham was a good king and his son Hezekiah is actually going to be the best king since David. And so it's not like this guy didn't have an opportunity uh to be a good king but for whatever reason he was really really bad. You know, and it just goes to show um we got to do our best to try to influence people but at the end of the day everybody has to choose for themselves who they will serve. And there's great potential in all of us to do really good. And there's also great potential in all of us to do really bad. As we go through our chapter today, we're going to see uh, three things that kind of stand out. One is the walk. Uh, Second is the war. And third is the worship. Um, Imagine if you couldn't walk. Imagine if, uh, you know, you were... You know one of those uh, and we know that there are people out there uh from a physical standpoint they can't walk and and just you know life is totally different for them it's a struggle for them you know for us as christians we have a walk um and it's one's moral journey you know it's when i think of our walk my walk i think of every day my everyday life like how is my walk with with the lord you know when it comes to walk you want to ask yourself um who do you walk with you guys like to go for walks anybody here ever just go for a walk do you guys ever do that some of you wow a lot of you here do it's pretty cool huh there's something about walking i know i like to walk when the weather's nice you know and here in california we're blessed you know um but you know how it is like the spring or maybe the summer nights uh when it's not too cold or it's not too hot and it's just oh it's so nice walking with my wife you know, with my kids, uh, with my dog, even he's pretty cool to walk with. And there's this something about, I don't know why you're, you're talking to each other when you're walking. Do you experience that? I know I do. It's really cool. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because we're getting out of the house and getting out, out outside. But um, for us, we walk with the Lord. We know we're supposed to anyways. And it's so important that you walk with the Lord And you have that fellowship with Him, you have that communion with Him. Your life that your life would be almost described as a walk with the Lord. You know that's what Christianity is. It's not necessarily a religion in that sort of man traditional, you know, superficial thing. It's really a walk with the Lord. And not only that, but the Bible talks about walking like the Lord. It's walking after the Lord. Walking worthy of this great salvation. And so we're going to see a little bit in that. As a matter of fact, we see that right away. Uh, Notice it says right there in uh, verse 3, but he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. So his walk was not good. His moral journey was not good. You know, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he walks, he meditates day and night. See, that's what we want. We can't walk under the influence of the world. You know, we can't walk with those who are contrary to the scriptures. And this guy right here, this is exactly what he did. Now remember, he was 20 years old when he began to reign. He reigned for 16 years, and a lot of people think that maybe he reigned more with being co regents of uh, uh, maybe with his dad, we're not 100% sure, but um, we do know that as he reigned, he didn't do what was right in the sight of God, and um, he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. So this is Judah. Judah were, were God's people in a strong sense because they had the temple down there in the southern kingdom. But what he basically said is he just walked like the world, there's no distinction between him and the people of the world, the people of Israel. Now, the people of Israel, we know they did a lot of bad things. They worshipped the calf. Um, they worshipped um, Baal at times. And that's what this king did. As a matter of fact, over in Second Chronicles chapter 28, um, there you have the parallel passages. And in Second Chronicles 28, verse 2 and 3, the Bible talks about how He walked, and it said, For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, made molded images for the Baals. And then we see even what we see right here. Think about this. He burned incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his children in the fire according to the abominations of the nations which the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And so this guy right here, like I was mentioning to you before, we have a lot of potential for wicked He really was the epitome of that. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He made his son pass through the fire according to the abominations of the nations and the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And you know, here's something that I just want to throw out at you guys. When your walk is not right, your family will suffer. I promise you that. Especially dads. Of course, it applies to all of us here. But if we're not walking with the Lord in that intimacy with Him, if we're not walking with the Lord in fellowship with Him, then what do we, where, what do we, where are we drawing our strength? Where are we drawing our wisdom? Where are we drawing our teaching? Where are we drawing our power if we are not walking with God? See, and it's not like this religious thing. It's not like, well, I read my Bible and I prayed and I went to church. That's all cool because, you know, we got to learn and we got to fellowship and get together and everybody uses their different gifts. But at the end of the day, we have to be able to say that I walked with God today. And, you know, we, we do it for his glory. But we do it for our family. We do it for our family. Because our family... Is most important. You know, ministry begins with our family. And then I'm a husband and I have my wife and I have my kids. And what ends up happening to this church if everybody here takes care of their family? We're going to be a healthy church, right? And then we can maybe enter into ministry and do things here in the church setting. But we got to take care of our family. And and that what ends up happening, and it's just there's just no way around it. And and you know, I don't know. I when I see him him here burning his children, he says he passed his sons through the fire. And then if you read Second Chronicles twenty eight verse three, it's children plural, so it's not just one son. And so what they would do in those days, you guys remember, is that they would have Molech, uh, the god of the Ammonites. And he was a statue and he had arms like this. And what they would do is they would heat up the statue uh, red hot. And then they would take the baby and they would put the baby in the arms and they would sacrifice it to the God of Molech. And, you know, our equivalent today, we spoke about this last week, is abortion. There's a lot of abortions. If you're here today and you had an abortion, um, I don't want you to be condemned. God can forgive you. God is so awesome. You know, don't let the enemy, you know, condemn you in that. You got to make sure you come to the Lord, but if you're ever if you're here today and you're ever facing that decision cuz the world says it's okay to kill the babies, it's not. That's a life. God gives life. God is the author of life. And when God conceives a child within a mother's womb, why is it that in our world today so many are killing babies? Why? Why are you going to kill a baby? Because of convenience? Because you want to work on your career? You know, because you want whatever it is. It's not like in your comfort zone. You know, if you're ever facing that and you're tempted to to have an abortion, um, I'm telling you this right now, don't do it. You will be so happy to have that child because that child is a gift from God. That child is life. You know, but here we see what ends up happening to a society they you know we we ethics and ethics they call it the um the sanctity of life. We don't have that here, you know when the people get older, less useful, we tend to say, okay well, let's go towards this euthanasia, you know they can just die or or when they're when they're they're young. you know the Bible talks a lot about this, and the Lord spoke a lot about how when they were in these situations, that they were not to practice this. In Leviticus chapter 18, verse 21, God said, And you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Molech, and nor shall you profane the name of the Lord your God. God said you can't do it. In Deuteronomy twelve twenty-nine, it says, When the Lord your God cuts off from before you the nations which you go to dispossess, and you displace them and dwell in their land, He said, Take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed from before you, and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? I also will do to you likewise. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way, for every abomination to the Lord which he hates, they have done to their gods, for they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. You know, and so when you read over in Second Kings seventeen, seventeen and eighteen, we're going to see that, Lord willing, if we're still here next week, that that was the last straw. That was that was when God said, "Okay, enough. They're killing their babies." And so, what did God do? God dispossessed them from the land. The Assyrians came, and uh, you know, the Assyrians were were vicious people. They would uh, they would uh, what's it called? when you take off a person's all their skin yeah they would do that take all their skin off Uh, they would cut heads off and they would have piles of heads and um as a as a as an intimidation towards countries that they were sieging they would take you and i know this sounds weird and they would impale the leaders you guys know what impale means right stick them on a pole boom they were the ones that god used to judge his people Because his people were doing this. You know what? Our country is going to be judged. You guys know that, right? God is going to judge our country. I mean, I pray for revival all the time. I hope and pray that things change. That there's a great revival and that people come to Christ. But... Because of what we're doing, and we see the signs of the times, Romans chapter 1 says that when God lets go of a nation, they start really getting to the gay, not only rights, but aggressively uh, promoting their agenda. And it says, not only do we accept it, we applaud it. Oh, beautiful. It's beautiful the way that they're having gay marriages. Romans says that's, that's the end of a society. So what's going to happen to our country? You know, he said, I took them out of the land because of these things. And now you, you're going and you're doing the same thing? The walk, the walk is just crazy. It says right here in verse uh, 4, And he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places and the high hills and under every green tree. Now, Deuteronomy 12, verse 2 tells us that God commanded his people to destroy these pagan places. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains and the high hills and under every green tree. You know, but this is what Ahaz did. And uh, I, I mentioned to you earlier that when our walk is not right, our family will suffer. And when our walk is not right, our ministry will suffer. And everybody here has a ministry. You know, some of you here you serve in the church, some of you here you serve at other places. Um for the king, obviously God had his ministry, you know, for this country um of Judah and he ruined it. He ruined it. And will ruin the ministry. You know, thank God for his grace, but you know if we do something like this, then all the beautiful things that God wanted for our family and the ministry, you know, it, it's going to suffer. And so, you know, I want to encourage you guys to walk with God, to to don't let it just be a routine. Um, you know, I had a, a hard day today. I had a hard week this week. And, um, you know, I was telling my, my friends, I said, I can't really put my finger on it. I just feel oppressed. I feel like... Um, like something's just taking away my joy or taking away my peace. And when you feel that way or when you go through things like that, you know, it might it might get to you. I was doing my best, though, just not to sin. I was just kept thinking that in my heart, my mind. Just don't sin. Don't sin. Don't get mad at your wife. You know, because a lot of times we're we're whatever. We're feeling a certain way and we take it on our families. Or don't get mad at your kids or whatever. Don't sin. Don't sin. And then the Lord just kind of brought me through it, you know, because we walk by faith and not by feelings. You know, we walk by convictions and not emotions. But it's hard sometimes, huh? I don't know how it is for you guys. Maybe it's easier for you. I don't know. But yeah, it's hard. But just I want to encourage you. Keep praying. and Keep, you know, in the Word in a real, real, real way. Uh, keep coming to church with an open heart. and uh, And let your walk be healthy. Let your walk with God be real. Because there's a war. That's what we see next in verse 5. It says Then Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to make war, and they besieged Ahaz, but could not overcome him. At that time, Rezin, king of Syria, captured Elath for Syria and drove the men of Judah from Elath. And then the Edomites went to Elath and dwell there to this day. And so Ahaz sent messengers to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. Come up and save me from the hand of the king of Assyria and from the hand of the king of Israel, who rise up against me. And Ahaz took the silver and gold that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house and sent it as a present to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria heeded him, for the king of Assyria went up against Damascus and took it, carried its people captive to Kerr, and killed Rezin. And so, our life is seriously, it's a walk, and our life is seriously a war. Now, our walk is really, really, you know, every day, but our war, it has different, you know, different days, um, I think in one sense, every day is kind of a battle against the flesh and the world. But what about the demons? Is thats is that every day the same? Probably not. You know, the devil came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. And so Jesus kept quoting scriptures to him and then the devil left him. And in Ephesians 6, it says there are some days that are darker than others. They call it the evil day. And so, you know, like for your life, you know what is it that what what kind of war are you in like what kind of lie is Lucifer telling you what kind of strategy is Satan using on you and maybe we don't know all the details, but we gotta know that we're in a war and we wrestle not against flesh and blood, the Bible says, but against principalities and powers against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You know, we wrestle against them. And so Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 tells us to wear armor, right? And so the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare in Second Corinthians 10 are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And so when we're in this war, we have to fight this fight with the weapons that God gives to us. Otherwise, you're you're going to be consumed. You will be Devastated by the devil unless you walk unless you war according to the spiritual weapons that God gives you You know, and you're like, well, i'm i'm doing. Okay. Are you? Are you sure you're doing okay? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm still saved. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it's true. I would imagine that the devil's ultimate Desire is to to steal you from god But are you on fire for the lord? Are you passionate? for God are you right with God you know he'll he'll it's it's a it's a like a sometimes it'll be like it'll happen in increments to where eventually he might want to just put you on the shelf get you there so that you're not effective anymore get you distracted next thing you know you're consumed with whatever issue that he wants you to be consumed with or maybe it's even a person or a group of people You know just as long as he can get your eyes off the Lord And put your eyes on whatever it is that you've been focusing on You know, and I don't know, you know, I don't know what the strategy of satan is in your life But I do believe that we're in a war now here we see the king of uh, Syria and the king of Israel They came to make war against jerusalem. They besieged ahaz. It says there in verse 5 But by god's grace, they couldn't overcome him now um history tells us that what happened was they wanted judah to align themselves to ally themselves against assyria so what they were doing uh, king uh, ahaz didn't want to do that he didn't want to align himself with these other two countries so what they were going to do is they were going to come into judah and they were going to get rid of this king and they were going to set up a puppet king for them so that they can strengthen themselves against assyria which was which was gathering strength as a country. But uh, Judah didn't do it. They surrounded Jerusalem, couldn't penetrate. They did capture the city of Elath. We read that in verse 6. And, uh, and that was something that they had just gotten in chapter 14. So they're there in the middle of this whole thing. And when you're there in the middle of the, of the war that you're in, will you really turn to God? That's my question for you. When you're there, in whatever situation you're in, will you really turn to God? You know, I mean, will you really pray? Will you really fast? Will you open your Bible and just say, God, speak to me. Will you really seek the Lord? You see, that's what the Lord was trying to get Ahaz to do. God was trying to get Ahaz to that place where they would really seek him. Now, unfortunately, we know what ended up happening was Ahaz went over and, you know, he he talks to the king of Assyria, tiglath pileser It's interesting. Archaeology affirms all of this. Um, There's, you know, things that you can look up and you're like, wow, I mentioned Ahaz in the Chronicles of Assyria. You know, but all I'm saying is that, you know, when we find ourselves in situations, um, God in His grace, you know what He does? He bails us out. He bails us out. And, you know, He's so, he's so cool. He's so good. And we go through these things, but we're not, we're not learning our lesson. We're not learning our lesson to seek the Lord. What does the Bible say? If you seek the Lord with all your heart, what does the Bible say? You'll find Him. You'll find Him. For some of us, man, that's a different life. We're not there. You know, thank God we're saved because we believe in Jesus, but we're not, you know, seeking first the kingdom of God. You know, we're not seeking the Lord with all of our heart. And what ends up happening is, in this case, uh, King uh, of Assyria, Tiglath-Pileser, he comes in, and uh he invades Syria he captures Damascus so then that brings uh king uh Rezin back over there he kills him and then the whole invasion process you know is is extinguished and and this southern king you know thinks he has a victory there when all along you know God was trying to teach him a lesson i really want to encourage you and i just really been thinking about this cuz i go through things you know, in my marriage, I go through things with my kids. I go through things in my finances. I go through things in the ministry, just like you do. Um, and I know I struggle with me, who I am, a lot. You know, and you may think, well, Manny's a pastor, and, you know, he's probably really, really good guy. And, and I, you know, I just want to tell you, I'm not, you know, I'm not. Just this... I'm not. Talk to my wife. Don't talk to my kids, because um, <laughs> they're not fair. Um, <laughs> but um, I know when I'm walking in my own strength, it's not good. When any man is walking in their own strength, it's not good. But I also know when I'm walking in, in the Lord's strength, and um, that's where God wants to bring us to that place. I mean, I know how it is when you got a big bill, and you pull out the credit card. I know how that is. I don't know if you've ever been there. But um, maybe God says, Hey, you know, how about you pray? How about you really seek me? But I learned, Lord, I learned all you got to do is hire the the king of Assyria, Tiglath-Pileser. And he'll take care of business and things will get done and I can go on in my merry way. And God says, yeah, in one sense, maybe you think you got through it, but you didn't really get through it. Because everything that you're going through in life, I'm allowing because I want you to seek me. And that's why when we're in the war that we're in, and I don't know how the enemy's going to try to surround you or bring you down, when we're in the war that we're in, God right here, he wants us to seek him. You want to know how I know that? Because later on, uh, Ahaz is going to try to uh, hire these guys again, and they won't help him, and then after him, do you guys remember the story of Hezekiah? Hezekiah? the Assyrians came the same Assyrians, and they surrounded they surrounded Jerusalem. Do you guys remember how you remember how many Assyrians surrounded Jerusalem? A hundred and eighty five thousand Assyrians. So what did Hezekiah do? Do you guys remember? Somebody here. Go ahead, say it. He prayed. Yeah. He took the threat and he rolled it all out. And he said, Lord, you see their threats? And what did God do? He sent one angel. And that one angel came and killed 185,000 Assyrians. But he really prayed. You know, it's interesting. If you read Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 7 is talking to Ahaz. And Isaiah was there at that time trying to tell him, Seek the Lord, seek the Lord. God's going to deliver you. But he never really sought the Lord. You know, so, you know, Tiglath-Pileser, you know, he comes and he finds this guy in a state where he considered himself to be a vassal of the king of Assyria, And, uh, and that's crazy because, you know, that's what ends up happening. We become slaves to, you know, to, to sin, to that, that we think is really helping us. You know, we're in this walk. God wants us to walk with him. God wants us to walk straight. He wants us to walk worthy. He wants us to walk in the light. I want to encourage you guys to just really be cognizant, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit regarding your walk. I also want to encourage you um, to know the war that you're in. As a matter of fact, I wanted to see if you could turn to Ephesians chapter 6 real quick. In verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all. Like basically, he's saying that you've done everything you can to stand. Now, how do we put on the armor of God? You know, is it like an outfit you can get in the Christian store, maybe down the street? You know, you put it on. I have a helmet in my office. You guys think that's it? You put on the helmet? You know, what is it? Well, really, it always comes back to um, some basic things, primarily based on truths as opposed to lies, right? And look what he mentions right here. He says in verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Verse 14, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet or shooed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, I mean, I don't know if it's something, I know some people, will what they'll do when they wake up in the morning, um, have you guys ever heard of this phrase in the Christian world, a dress to kill? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get dressed to kill, right? But in this case, I'm going to kill the devil, man. I'm going to kill the enemies, right? And they get dressed, and they go through it. I, I would say it might even be good to memorize this section of Scripture right here. But, but really, I think they're just things that, you know, you gird your waist with truth. And so you know your source of, of truth is the Word of God. You know, and there's so much to this as far as your center of gravity right there and that that's, you know, your your center of gravity Uh, You put on the breastplate of righteousness. And of course, we know that that's the righteousness of Christ, right? Uh, That protects your heart You know, none of us here are good enough on our own But we have the righteousness of Christ and we're ready to not only share the gospel but hold hold our position In the gospel. You know, I know the good news is that I'm saved by faith. I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. You know, and that's why it's good to share the gospel and to hear it all the time. Christians can never, it never gets old. Because you're always reminded how you're saved, man. One day you're gonna go to heaven, you know, and maybe sooner than you realize, right? Are you guys ready to die? We're all ready to die, right? And because well hopefully you guys are if you've given your life to Christ, right? But you, you're you there, you've got your, your cleats on, you're, you're, you've got your firm ground. Um, it says right there, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which we will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And we know the fiery darts are the lies of the enemy. The enemy is constantly lying to us, and um, he can't read our minds, but he can put thoughts in our minds. And so whenever you get a thought, you want to bring it into captivity. You want to test it according to the scriptures, right? But with the shield of faith, we can quench all those fiery darts of the wicked one. And the helmet of salvation is the assurance of salvation. I know I'm saved. Not because I'm a good person. Not because I help old ladies across the street. Not because I went to church X amount of times. I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved because of what Jesus has done right and then the sword of the spirit the word of god and then it says right there praying always so you know you go through this and the bible is explicit it's explicit in what we're to do as the enemy comes against us you find yourself in 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 life you guys know that there's no such thing as a secular part of my life and a spiritual part of my life you guys know that You guys know that it's all spiritual. So no matter what you're going through, take it to the Lord. Ask the Lord for help. Ask the Lord for wisdom, you know, you know, with our kids. God, what do I do? What do we do? I mean, I can do so much, but Lord, you got to take over, you know, and and he does. My prayer is, and I know there's so much more to this, you guys. But, you know, my prayer is that you would have a healthy walk with God. My prayer is that if you, as you find yourself surrounded by the enemies one day, and I don't know how it's going to happen, and it happens at different times in our life, that you will win those wars. How? By really going to the Lord. Not just half-hearted, not just kind of, sort of. Really going to the Lord, Right? And then, and then the last thing we see back in Second Kings, look what ends up happening. It says in verse ten. Now King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, and saw an altar there that was at Damascus. And King Ahaz sent Uriah the priest the design of the altar and its pattern, according to all its workmanship. Then Uriah the priest built an altar according to all that the king Ahaz had sent from Damascus. So Uriah the priest made it before king Ahaz came back from Damascus. And when the king came back from Damascus, the king saw the altar, and the king approached the altar and made offerings on it. And so he burned his burnt offering and his grain offering, and he poured his drink offering and sprinkled the blood of his peace offering on the altar He also brought the bronze altar, which was before the Lord, from the front of the temple, from between the new altar and the house of the Lord, and put it on the north side of the new altar. Then King Ahaz commanded Uriah the priest, saying, On the great new altar burn the morning burn offering and the evening grain offering. The king's burnt sacrifice and his grain offering with the burnt offering of all the people of the land. Their grain offering and their drink offerings and sprinkle on it all the blood of the burnt offering and all the blood of the sacrifice. And the bronze altar shall be for me to inquire by. Thus did Uriah the priest according to all that King Ahaz commanded. And so I just want to encourage you tonight in your walk. I want to encourage you tonight in your war. And I want to encourage you tonight in your worship. In your worship of God. You know, it's crazy. What ended up happening here was King Ahaz went to Damascus and he saw an altar there. And and we don't know if it was a Syrian altar or if if it was an Assyrian altar. More than likely it was a Syrian altar because it was there in Damascus. But it could have been an Assyrian altar because they could have brought it from their land, right? But either way... We know this, it wasn't an altar of the Lord. It wasn't of the Lord. You know, it's funny how sometimes we'll worship, you know, things that we see are, are have left people absolutely empty. I mean, wouldn't you say, you, you guys know this, right? That that money, that money does not buy Happiness, that money doesn't equate to you know, a satisfied life or a successful life. We we know that, right? But how many people worship at that altar? You know, and yet, how about fame? Well, you know, if I could just get famous, wouldn't that be cool? And then you see all these famous people, you know, committing suicide? Does that equate to happiness? Oh, you know, if I can get a boy or a girl or whatever it is, you know, these different altars that we worship at and we realize here they are, the Syrian altar, that's an altar of failure. Why would you worship at that altar? Why did this king worship at this altar? The only thing I can think of is it it looked pretty cool, you know, and a lot of times what ends up happening is we do that, you know, for that reason, when we... When we have been given the instructions of the Lord at what altar to worship? You know, it's so sad when it's happened here. He sees the altar, and then he sends the blueprints back to Uriah, the high priest in Jerusalem. And what does Uriah, the high priest, do? Does he make a stand for righteousness? No. It was an apostasy of the priesthood. And he makes us this false altar. And as soon as the king gets back to Jerusalem, he sees it. Literally, in the Hebrew, it says he inspects it, makes sure it was according to the pattern of Syria, and then he goes, and what does he basically say? This is what he says. All the sacrifices are going to go on the new altar that I made. The old altar, the old bronze altar, that one's going to be just for me to inquire by. And you know what that really speaks of? It speaks of what the pagans would do when they would take like the guts out of the animals the entrails of the animals and they would they would <laughs> i don't I don't know how you guys I don't know how they would do this but they would take these things and they would try to get messages from the gods see that's how bad they were you see and for us what do you think of when you think of worship what do you think of when you think of worship I, I think, well, there's a lot to it. I think of what, what excites me. I think of this. My, my friend would always ask me this question when I was a new Christian. He said, what's your master passion? What's your master passion in life? You know, what gets you out of bed? What, what drives you? What really is your, is your passion in life? That's what we worship. That's what we worship. For us, let it be the Lord. Let it be Him. And if it's Him, let it be according to His way of worshiping Him. You know? We can't invent our new ways. We can't say, well, it's the emerging church and this is how they're doing it now and where it's completely unbiblical. You guys remember what Jesus said in John chapter 4? Um he said that the Father is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Think about that. Was the Father's looking for people. Who who's gonna worship me in spirit and truth? Spirit and truth is interesting because you know, spirit. Do you guys remember when you were in high school? You don't remember, huh? You, did you guys ever go to the pep rallies? No? The pep rallies, was they were, we've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you? And, you know, I'm, I'm an introvert, man, so I would never, like, get all excited about that stuff. I would get excited about the Lakers. Like, if they hit a, a three-pointer at a certain time. Robert Horry, oh, man, that guy made me worship the lakers right <laughs> it gets you all excited you're like oh i guess that's what you're passionate about we got to get excited and passionate about about the lord we got to work to worship in spirit that's what the the samaritans were doing they're all excited have you guys ever seen some christians who are really excited and they get all you know they're all excited and they're just you know like when we sing here you know Um, I I, I think you got to you got to worship. man. don't be so afraid to, to lift your hands. Don't be so afraid to close your eyes and sing to God. There's that emotional element of it that sometimes when it's done in a biblical way, it's healthy. But, you know, get excited about the Lord. We worship in spirit, but we also worship in truth. See, the Samaritans were worshiping in an emotional way. The Jewish were Jewish people were worshiping with truth like, oh, we've got truth. And what God is saying is, I want somebody... I'm looking for people who have both. They have spirit and they have truth. See? And and I'm telling you, if the Lord is looking for that, if the Lord is looking for people like that, then I want to be someone like that. Even though it goes against the grain of who I am, I'm going to lift my hands. Even though it goes against maybe the grain of my introverted nature... You know, I will I will you know, I will I mean I and I even did it a little bit in Cambodia, a little bit. I'm not I wish I could do it like as much as they did, but I did a little bit, you know. And and then but I'm sure eventually it just wears you down. See, we don't want to worship at these other altars that the world is gonna throw our way and alternatives and it's not truth and it's just all dry. God is saying, worship at my altar. Um, These guys right here, uh, unfortunately, what ended up happening is everything deteriorated as a result of this. And verse uh, 17, King Ahaz cut off the panels of the carts, removed the lavers from them, and he took down the sea from the bronze oxen that were under it and put it on pavement of stones. Also, he removed the Sabbath pavilion, which they had built in the temple, and he removed the king's outer entrance from the house of the Lord, on account notice right here is the whole reason is because of the king of Assyria it was all about it was all about pleasing the king of Assyria right and so the rest of the acts of ahaz which he did are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah and so ahaz rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of david and then hezekiah his son he reigned in his place and and so you know, you read this right here and his life comes, his life goes, and, and life is over. He, he's dead now, okay? Now, as he's sitting there in hell, I bet he has a lot of regrets. You know, my dad, Jotham, he was a believer in the Lord. And my son, Hezekiah, he, he was a believer in the Lord. I chose not to. And now he died. Even, they didn't even bury him with the kings. They, there was enough people there in the land to know that he was off, right? And so, man, I want to just pray that today, you guys, as we, if you're here and you're a Christian, that you would just allow the Lord to impact your walk. Let it be personal. Uh, let the Lord um, give you victory in that war by seeking him. And let your worship be, be true. Let it be of the Lord. Let it be biblical. Let it be in spirit and truth if you're a Christian. And if you're not a Christian here today, then I pray uh, you would not live the life that Ahaz lived and died. You know, Jesus Christ, He died for you on the cross. He loves you, and He's got an amazing plan for your life. You know, getting saved is not hard it's not hard, you know. Aren't you glad that the Lord didn't make you do like, okay, do 100,000 push-ups and then I'll let you into heaven? Or, you know, whatever. Give a million dollars and then I'll let you go to heaven? No, He did all the work. He died on the cross. And that's why they call it the good news is that it's just a gift. All you have to do is turn from your sins and trust in Jesus. You're saved by faith. Why would you not accept the Lord why would you not walk with him the one who loves you and I pray that that you guys would that everybody here would have made that decision to completely fully surrender their life to Christ and and if you haven't and you want to you know pray that prayer that's how you do it you know you receive the gift I'll never forget for me it was August 20th 1989 I prayed a prayer that's how I did it I prayed a prayer and the Lord saved me the Lord just did the work, you know It's a prayer to receive Christ. The Bible says Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved And so if you're Here tonight and you're not sure If you're a Christian, you don't know Where you stand with the Lord, but you Want to become a Christian All you have to do tonight is Pray and receive him and you Ask him into your heart man, and he'll do that Work. So let's pray. Lord, we Thank you so much for allowing us to study Your word together and Lord, I do pray for uh, us, Lord, as a church, for our walk, for our war, Lord, for our worship. Lord, that you would do a work by your Holy Spirit, Lord, and that you would take, um, Lord, just anything, something today, and just in in your way, Lord, the way that you're able to, uh, Lord, plant it in our hearts so that we wouldn't sin against You, so that we'd bring You glory, so that we'd be transformed. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today who doesn't know You, that tonight would be the night of salvation, Lord. And if you're here today and you want to receive Christ, just pray this prayer. Let me lead you in a prayer to ask the Lord into your heart. you just say something like this? Dear Lord, I come to You today and I admit I have sinned but I turn from my sins and I trust in Christ as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your love and fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live life as a Christian from this day forward. In Jesus' name, Amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel, El Monte at air code 626 Remember that Jesus loves you.